Hello and welcome to Project Between, a podcast about third culture kids and their experiences growing up between many cultures. I'm your host Hannah and today my guest is a French TCK raised in Germany and currently based in Mexico City. You can already tell we'll be talking lots about the intersection of several cultures and languages today. She was the first person to send a fan mail to Project Between expressing interest in the podcast, so she will always have a gold star in my books. It's a pleasure to see you again. Welcome to the show, Aurélie. Thank you so much, Hannah. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm really glad that we can have this conversation today. Yeah, me too. We had like an ice-breaking session a few months back, and I found your story very fascinating. And in your email, you mentioned that, you know, you had this story as a European, as a French person, and, and as somebody who attended French schools. So I thought, yeah, it was a really interesting topic to explore, and I'm super happy to see you again and to ask you these questions because I uh, have a lot of gems in there today. <laughs> Great, thank you. Yeah, actually, I'm really glad as well because it was uh, your podcast and your project is one of my first entry points to this whole new world of TCK that I had no clue about before. So it's also really exciting for me. Yeah, I, I remember when I got your email, um, first of all, it made me very happy. I was like, oh my gosh, like, somebody out there is listening to this um, but also I was uh, happy to hear that you know you had joined the TCK family and that uh, as a result we have so much in common already so yeah without further ado uh, let me start the TCK questionnaire and uh, get our conversation going that way so uh, for our listeners please tell us your name and nationality Yes, so my name is Aurélie Knecht, <laughs> and I'm French, so it's always been a bit of a struggle for people from different countries to pronounce my name and, and get it, so in Spain, it's like Aurelia, in English, people actually found that it's very similar to Aurélie, oh, <laughs> and you say Aurélie, oh, oh, it really? sounds like my name, so that's also how I introduce myself sometimes when they don't get my name. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you were born in France, right? Yes, I was born in France. Mm. Yeah, I mean, before we go on, I think your name also is very... There's, there's a lot to talk about behind your name because you have the Aurélie part, which is very French. Um, and then the Knecht, is that, am I pronouncing correctly? Um, yes. Yeah, you, you explained that it has... German origins and yes. and then your family ended up in Germany and so yes. yeah yes that was actually um not planned <laughs> but yeah the thing is that I was born in a region of France that is really close to the German border so in this region a lot of people have German last names um we don't have any close relatives that are German or anything it's from far, far back, but in the end, I ended up moving in Germany some years later. So uh, people got a bit confused with that because I have this French name, but German last name. So they thought that I had a German dad or something, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was also something a bit... Um, um, funny when I introduced myself, I don't know, to a doctor appointment or something like that, because I thought that it was 
completely fluent in German, uh, which was not the case. And people, yeah, can can get a bit confused with that, but that that's only the the reality of the people that live uh, close to the border. It's like the people that live close to the border from Spain in France. They also tend to have a Spanish last name, even if they don't have any uh, Spanish relative of, or anything. So yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. So just based on where you were born along the border, um, already your name and your heritage is somewhere in between those two cultures. Uh, can so you hard. tell us uh, in which countries did you grow up? So if you can walk us through your schooling and and then maybe beyond. Of course. Yes. Yeah, so first, uh, so I grew up in uh, my mom's village in France. So as I told you, close to the German border until I was 10 years old. And then my dad changed job. So uh, we moved the whole family to The Hague in Netherlands where I attended the French school because my parents wanted to have this sort of continuity with my education and because um, Dutch is a weird language, I guess. So it made more sense. And I attended the French school there for three years until we moved to Germany, to Munich, where my parents still live. So um, this is where I think I... I found it a bit more of a home-like place, no? Um, so I spent from 12 to 18 living in Germany. And then after that, I moved to the UK, to London, to study for, um, for university. And before that, maybe, sorry to go back in the past, but before that, I think mm. it's important to mention that while I was studying in high school in Germany, Munich in the French school, I had the opportunity to go to Spain for four months in the Spanish family. It was an exchange that was organized by my school. And this is where I learned Spanish. And this opened me many doors and opportunities that will explain a bit more uh, where I ended up in the future. No? So this is how I learned Spanish. And I lived there for four months. And... And so, yeah, so back to university, when I moved to London, I was doing an undergrad that was four years because it included one year abroad. And as I was learning Spanish, as I mentioned, I went to do my year abroad in Mexico City, um, then came back to graduate, eventually came back to Mexico City a couple of times for internships or visits. Um, and then I decided to go back to London to do my master's degree because I wanted to change career. So I needed this kind of specialization. And then COVID came. <laughs> so it changed a bit the plans and everything. Uh, I had a trip planned to Mexico in April. So, so in March when COVID hits, I actually decided to move my flights and go there um, during the pandemics. Or, uh, so I finished my master's degrees online uh, from Mexico City and eventually found a job there and, and stayed. <laughs> so yeah, I'm still living in Mexico City today. Yeah, I remember when you described your background and so on. I was like, oh, so like, where in Europe do you live now? And you're like, oh no, I actually live in Mexico now. And yes. that was a whole other story to unpack. 
Um, so yeah, you you mentioned that you speak Spanish, uh, but let me ask you the language question. Uh, so, what languages did you speak at home with your parents and with your siblings? So at home, it was always French. So all my life, because uh, both of my parents are French, and my dad is more fluent in English and German than my mom because of work. Uh, my mom speaks a bit of German because she she needs it for the everyday life and everything, but she's not fluent. So there's never been this kind of question of speaking another language at home. And my sister is the same. My sister actually, after living in Munich, she came back to France and she's is still living there. So my sister is quite French <laughs> comparing to to myself. So with my whole family, we always speak the same language. Mm. And uh, what languages do you speak then? Yeah, so I speak English, German, French, and Spanish. Oh, a lot. <laughs> Are there days when you get it confused? <laughs> so confused. It's really, it's really strange because I. It's not like I made a huge effort to learn these languages. It came quite naturally from living abroad because for example when I was living in Netherlands a lot of people in the French school that moved across countries and everything had this kind of weird mix between French and English somehow mm -hmm. and also there a lot of movies or cartoons or even the TV is in English uh, with subtitles because I guess that is not too many people speaking Dutch so they don't make the effort to to translate everything, they just put subtitles. And mm. I learned quite quickly because also when you're kids, you pick up languages quite easily. So yeah, and, and when I came back, when I came to to Munich, then um, I always went to the the upper English uh, classes and they stayed. And now I'm struggling a bit because I haven't spoken English in so long. But yeah, then with the, the, the in, in uni, during uni, during my studies, it, it got better. Um, but it was not the process of me sitting, reading books or anything. No, it was quite, quite natural. And with the, the Sp Spanish, it also came quite easily uh, from what I told you, because I lived in the, the Spanish family uh, that hosted me for this exchange for four months. At the beginning, it was a real struggle because I could only say really basic things, present myself, you know. Mm. Um, but after a while, hearing a lot of people talking Spanish and having a lot of patience with me, teaching me new words and everything, it, it, it came quite easily and I kept on practicing it, which I think it's quite important to 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 maintain a certain level no so mm. the same and german because i left, lived in germany but now it's really rusty so i can still understand quite well but the problem with i think the the main issue with french school i guess is the same with international school is that all the, the kids that that are there all my friends they could speak french Mm. And I guess in international school, it's English, no? So even if I had German friends, we always spoke in French. So that's also the thing that I never really practiced my German so much as I did, for example, with English or Spanish. So I 
I have this kind of barrier between understanding, listening, and speaking. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier for me to understand what someone is, is saying to me, but then I lack some words. And now that I've been away from Germany for seven years, I think, um, I forgot a lot also because I don't really practice it. Mm. And also French, I forgot, <laughs> because here I work in Spanish mainly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, when I go for a work trip or something like this, I have to speak in English, but it's not that often. So now it's it's a bit uh, a mess in my head between the languages, uh, because when I speak with my parents, sometimes the, the word in French don't come to my mind that easily I want to say the word in Spanish mm. and when I was in London it was the same but with the English now I know I'm struggling sometimes to find the right uh, sentence or word in English it's, it's a bit of a mess but it's still somewhere in my head I guess <laughs> <laughs> oh one thing I found so funny was how uh, when you talk to your sister who's a lot more French than you she tells you that you're making up words uh, yes. in French <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I think with with all of those different languages sort of occupying space in your head, it's it's quite natural. Um, but I was curious, uh, what language do you dream in and what language do you swear in? This is a really interesting question because I think it changes a lot. It's, it has not been uh, really constant. Mm-hmm. I guess that it really depends on the countries I'm in at a certain time and also different factors because it can happen that I don't know I read a book in English uh, or I listen to a podcast or something and then like my flow of thoughts continue in the same language without really noticing it you know Mm. it's not like conscious and then I guess that I'm not 100% sure because, you know, dreams are really weird and I guess it can be in a lot of languages at the same time. But in general, it continues this, the kind of, of flow of thoughts that I have uh, before sleeping. So obviously now that I'm in Mexico City, uh, I, I dream and think a lot more in Spanish than I do in other languages. But it can be French, English sometimes. It, it really depends. And I guess when I was in London, it was also different. Mm. But I never I, I never dreamt in German, for example. Oh, interesting. <laughs> because, yeah, because I'm not fluent enough mm. uh, to have this kind of really complex thinking in German. So, yeah, the, this is something that actually never happened to me. Mm. Um and regarding to the swearing, um, I guess that I've always liked more to swear in French and in Spanish <laughs> because I guess that the language allows it more uh-huh. <laughs> in a certain way. Um, These really interesting words. <laughs> mm. But I, I don't swear that much, but I guess it would be it would be. French, it can becomes more natural when I'm really upset, mm-hmm. um, you know. But also, yeah, Spanish. I I don't swear that much in English, actually. I I think I developed uh, a relationship with the English language that is more from academia mm-hmm. somehow. So I don't know. I think I am a bit more formal when I speak English than I am when I speak other languages. Oh, really? 
Also, even now, do you think if we were having this conversation in, say, French or Spanish, would you be more um, informal? Maybe I'm not hundred percent sure, but in the in the way I see the language, I think that I have a distance from it. It's a bit less emotional in a way than mm. than French or Spanish for me. So that's why I guess it's a bit more formal than than other languages for me. I mean, of course, I can have a really informal conversation with friends or uh, right now, you know. But mm. in general, I think it's it's it has to do with the the emotional distance I have with English. That it's actually interesting because I guess that it also allows me to to think more clearly in English than in other languages because I don't have this this kind of emotional bond mm. so I really like to write in English it's, it allows me kind of objectivity and to see my my thinking my ideas from a distance that I don't necessarily have in in French or in Spanish so when I have this this idea or when I want to to do something for work and bullet point some project or something like this, I usually write them down in English. So I guess it is also this kind of relationship with academia, with writing essays in English and knowing how to to frame something in a shorter, more efficient way in English than in other languages. Like Latin languages is a lot of... You know, you go around the point and you write really, really long essays. Well, <laughs> I don't know how it is in the in the US, but for example, in the UK, when you write an essay, they say you have two thousand words, and that's that's the top you can reach, even for dissertation, thesis, everything. Mm -hmm. So you have to learn to to say an idea in a really efficient, short way. That that influenced a lot the way I, I work and I think and I, yeah I I don't know if it makes sense. But yeah. No, I I I think for me with it's the same way with Korean and uh, English where okay. yeah um, I think when I'm speaking Korean it's usually for work or f with my parents or you know in like a very formal setting so. Yeah, I, I think for many of us who speak several languages, it's it's funny how our brain, um, maybe in an effort to hold on to all of it, like compartmentalizes it all. So like, oh, this language is mostly for, I don't know, like your emotional capacity. And this is for your intellectual capacity and so on. So yeah, it's it's interesting to hear that uh, you've your brain has sort of done the same thing with all of your languages and Obviously, you have so many more languages to deal with than I do. So, yeah, that's that's quite fascinating. Um, and this is related to the next question, which is uh, the question of your identity. Now, I know it's quite complex for you. <laughs> and I don't know if this is a difficult question, but what percentage of your identity would you attribute to each of the places you've lived? Yeah, I it's a complex question. <laughs> because Sorry. I mean, no, no worries. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. But I think there is not a single answer. Mm -hmm. Because in a way, when I present myself, my identity is obviously French. 
because of my passport, because of my parents. I always attended the French school and, and grew up in a French culture at home. But I quite soon realized coming back to France for holidays or meeting uh, French people at uni that only lived in France, that I was not like them. <laughs> There was something different that I didn't have the same cultural references, but music, movies, politics, I don't know, a lot of things, no, mm. and experiences. So I think even, even the way I... I spoke because in the French school abroad we developed this kind of weird mix of German French or we used expressions that were that that were really old fashioned <laughs> mm -hmm. you know or we reinvented our own way of saying things. So I spoke differently to most French teenagers or young people. Mm. And Yeah, so I realized that I could not identify 100% uh, as a French person because I lived more abroad than in France. Mm -hmm. I left when I was 10 years old. I was really small. So, yeah, so that's that's the first part, which I could not give you a really precise number. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, it's the main part because I do have the French culture really anchored in, in my identity. But then, um, I guess, I guess maybe we could say 50, half, something like this, mm -hmm. French, and the rest would be divided, um, mostly between Germany and Mexico, mm -hmm. because London is such a weird place, because people come from all around the world. And I guess that London is not UK. I could not say I identify as someone from the UK and an English person, no, because it's so different than the rest of the country. It's really multicultural. Um, in my university, 40% of students uh, were international students, mm -hmm. which is really high number. So I guess London actually strengthen deepened my tck identity i guess <laughs> of being around people from all around the world and, right and yeah uh yeah G germany it's it's quite complex also because of the relationship with language i told you about i wish i really wish i could speak better german it has been um a questioning point for me for a lot of years because my I always told people my home is in Germany because this is where my parents live this is where I have my bedroom from when I was a kid and all my stuff you know it's it's the place I come back to and I say I'm going home mm. um, more than uh, our house in France because I lived there more and I have more memories there, more emotional attachment. So I think this also plays a big part in my identity uh, because this is the place I say, I tell people I go, I'm going home to, even if obviously it's not 100% my home, it has changed a lot over the years. Um, but yeah, the relationship with German is complicated because I cannot say that I'm completely fluent. I forgot a lot and it's sort of, I, for me, it's a barrier to integrate fully in the culture. Mm -hmm. 
um, because I will always feel as a foreigner in Germany mm-hmm. because of that, you know, because of my really strong accent, really struggling to find some words and everything. But sometimes a word pops up in my mind in German that is really specific for something or I miss some kind of of food or music. I, I like to listen to some German music or um, some traditions, some holidays, the way people celebrate holidays there and these kind of things. Um, obviously influenced a lot uh, the person I am today. And then Mexico also changed a lot uh, for me because it influenced uh, my taste in music, in food, (laughs) Mm -hmm. in other things that are really important for me to define who I am. And also now it's the place where I live in. So, for example, if I would answer a question like, who are you? I would say, no, I'm French, but... I grew up in Munich, this is where my parents live, this is where I am at home, but for now I live in Mexico City, so this is the new home I founded for myself uh, for for this period of time. So it's a really messy answer, and I'm Mm -hmm. sorry for that, because it's hard to put it in different parts, Um, but I would say these three places are more part of my identity than London, for example, which was obviously a really interesting um, period of my life and that influenced a lot of things in, in myself. But it's not something that I would bring up in the conversation if you would ask me who I am or these kind of questions about identity. You know? mm. Yeah, it it's it's difficult to put numbers to your identity. And I yes. think what summarizes it best was what you told me before, which is that you're most comfortable in Germany, but culturally you're French. And now your new home base is Mexico. So, yes. yeah, you're just a, a mixture of all of those things, but sort of like swirling and... Yeah, I, I I totally get how it's difficult to um, describe your percentage in in exact terms. So, yes. yeah, thank you for that. Um, but you did mention that uh, you miss German food. Uh, so let's let me go on to the next question, which is what's your go to comfort food? Is it French? Is it German? Is it, you know, a new Mexican dish? That's a really hard question because I, I love food very, <laughs> very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I don't miss German food that much because, to be honest, it's not the best. <laughs> but sometimes I miss a really specific thing uh, from the German supermarket. You know, I asked my mom to buy me this really random thing when I see her from Germany, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say that's the thing I... I like the most to feel like home is a good bread with good cheese. Really French of me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, these kind of sourdough breads, really fresh, crusty, with the nice French cheese, the the kind that you cannot find in other countries. That Mm -hmm. is really 
local and this is the kind of thing that I would bring in my suitcase when I go back to Mexico all the time. <laughs> okay. Um, what's your yeah, What's I your favorite so kind of cheese? There is this cheese that is absolutely amazing from the southwest of France. It's from the French Basque country and it's called Oso Irati. Oh. It's this, this cheese, this mountain cheese is a bit hard. It's not soft cheese and it was, it's not goat milk, but it's really similar. I don't know the name actually of this animal, in English, <laughs> but it's like a goat, but it's not a goat. <laughs> oh, yes. So it's not sheep. It's, it's the female of the sheep, but it's uh, not the goat. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I am. I don't know. This is really strange, but uh, yeah, it's, it makes a really, really good cheese that has a special flavor that you would not find in in any other. And actually, I I brought this cheese to a lot of my friends uh, that lived abroad, and since then, a lot of them actually declared this is the best cheese ever. Oh. So it comforted me in my idea that this is the best cheese ever. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're going to have to send me um, the, the name of the cheese. The name. I'm going to look I, it up. I have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, so whenever you go to France, you pick up some of this cheese to bring home? I do. <laughs> Most of the time. Sometimes it's quite sad because they take it away from me at the airport. Oh, no. Yes, it happened. <laughs> but when I'm allowed to and it works well, I, I bring quite a lot of cheese back home. Mm. Oh man, that sounds amazing. Especially with like the, the kind of like crusty bread you mentioned. Exactly. Uh, wow. This is really simple, not complicated, but tastes like paradise. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> Wow. Okay. I'm going to look this up after our interview. Um, the next question, I guess, is sort of related, uh, which is uh, name a place that informed your taste in the arts. So music, art, books, films. I would say London. Mm -hmm. I would say London. Obviously, I picked up music and books and literature from other places. I, I really like to read. Um, and in Mexico, they have this amazing um, classic literature that is really, really nice that I discovered when I first came here. But in general, London, because um, all the museums are free. And the ones that are not free, they're free when you're a student mm -hmm. <laughs> or you have a really big discount. Um, and I also had these, these kind of really good deals as a student, being able to, to see concert, theater, a lot of things for, um, I don't know, five pounds or really cheap, no? Mm. So I guess that I, I got immersed in the, these cultural environments uh, while I was in London a lot more than in other places and there was these influences from all around the world as I told you that also made the, the cultural scene so rich and so interesting and I guess when you're a student I don't know if you also experienced that as you have more free time in a way even if you have to study more uh, freedom 
Uh, also, I it was the first time I lived on my own, mm. so I explored a lot more because I knew that I had this these huge opportunities uh, of getting to to know new artists, new books, new films, everything, and yeah, I guess it was almost overwhelming, and I think that's a lot of people that lived in London or or still live in London have the same feeling that sometimes you're afraid of missing out because there is so much mm. um yes yeah, so i i guess i i really really enjoy this time and i i i try to make the most out of it and sometimes i miss this kind of feeling of being able to go anywhere and find this really great bookshop or a really hidden movie theater where they they put these old documentaries or you know these kind of things that was so accessible yeah yeah, yeah what you're describing uh, reminds me of my college days in New York and I think I felt exactly the same I, I felt like I was gonna miss out if I wasn't out all the time and I was so like enamored and immersed in New York to the point that I didn't feel the need to explore other parts of the country because you know the America is a huge place and now that I think back on it I'm like man I, I should have like hopped on over to Chicago or Boston or I don't know like um, the southern states or California but at the time I was like oh my gosh like everything I need is in New York and I'm never going to leave. That was like how mm -hmm. I lived there as a student. And I think London is a similar place. It's yes. kind of, it kind of feels like a black hole where you get sucked in. Yeah. So I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Yes. Oh man. Um, so do, do you think a London is a favorite city out of all the places you've lived? Uh, if you had to pick one, what, where would be your favorite city? That's hard. That's hard. I think I I'm not gonna answer your question quite precisely. Okay. I'm sorry for that. But different aspects of my personality like different cities better. Oh, I like that. Yeah, like I guess London. It's my 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 part. My my personal the part of my personality that is more. Um, arty, um, yeah, that, that wants to explore, to get these new experiences, um, the part of me that, that wants you to read a book and dream about something, you know, really, um, like when you're a student and you are a bit idealistic about things, naive in a way, mm -hmm. I think this kind of dreamy part of me uh, likes London better. And then the part of me that is more attached to family, um, like that likes uh, comfort, to have a safe environment, uh, sort of a control, clean, tidy. Munich, definitely. Mm -hmm. Munich, it's a, one of the safest cities in Europe. It's close to the mountain. It can be quite peaceful. It's really tidy, clean, nice. So... For example, this is a kind of place I would like to grow old or have a family in, for example. And Mexico City, it's quite challenging because it's messy, it's so huge. 
uh, so many people, but yeah, it's 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 more the the part of me that it, I don't I, I don't know how to find the right adjective for it, but maybe the part of me that doesn't ask myself too much too many questions, but just leave um not not freely but um uh, more naturally because people here are really kind uh not so stressed of course they're more stressed in mexico city than in other cities of the country because it's a mess it's so hectic no but um i guess yeah the kindness of the people it's a, a quality of life it can be a bit higher than in other places because some things are more affordable. You can find really good food, uh, fresh, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables. Um, so th- this kind of quality of life, uh, worry less part of myself. Mm. Uh, but for example, it would be a mess to have kids in Mexico City. So <laughs> this part of me is conflicted with the living, living here. Uh, so I don't know if I gave an answer to that but more or less this would be my list (laughs) no i i love it i don't i don't think any of my other guests have approached the question in that way and yeah i think it's true i think different parts of you uh are drawn to different cities and yeah i i love that answer um i think it could even be the highlight of this episode so (laughs) thank you for that Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but but I am curious, um, now that you're living in Mexico, away from France, away from Germany, even from like London influences, uh, do you feel more French or German? I guess living away from Germany and France made me feel a bit more French. Ooh. But... It's it's a bit of a tricky answer because it has to do with the way I present myself. Because obviously people look at me, so they see I have blue eyes. No, I'm not Mex. I don't look Mexican, no. So they say, "Oh, where are you from?" So I say, "I'm from France." Ah, then then the conversation keep going on, and I don't always feel the the need, or uh, I don't always feel comfortable to tell my whole whole life story to a stranger, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm defined like the French girl, you know. Uh-huh. I'm the French girl at work. Uh, my my friends introduce me to other people oh this is my french friends you know mm-hmm. uh, so this it has become become an adjective uh that that it's a bit more um more defined now that it was before because before uh it was sometimes the contrary i came back to french to france and i was ah no i live in germany ah so you're german no i'm not german but you know yeah. this kind of, of really uh confused questions that comes afterwards but mm. yeah i guess i, I would say that it, it has to do a bit more with the the label people put um gave me mm-hmm. then a strong feeling of uh, feeling more French than German I, I cannot feel German anyway but uh, belong of belonging no uh, so yeah I, I guess this is how it evolved a bit uh, these last years mm. so it's like a convenient sort of 
adjective, I guess, because, like you said, the "Where are you from?" question. If you get it from a stranger, it's just too much. So you just pick the quickest and easiest answer. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. Oh man. And uh, what what about your your parents?、Um, they've lived in Munich now longer than you or your sister have, and yeah, in, I guess now they probably both speak German and they're comfortable there. But I wonder for your parents, do they still feel more French than German, or has it sort of split for them as well? Well. My parents, I think this will never change. They will always feel strongly French,、uh, also because they moved away from France、uh, quite old, with their whole life identity already formed. You know,、mm-hmm. so I think this is really different from 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 my own experience, and even my sister. You know,、uh, she lived. Until she was sixteen, I guess. Yeah, until she was sixteen abroad, and obviously when she is older than me. So when we moved, she was maybe thirteen, I guess. So she didn't live that long abroad, maybe four or five years, something like that.、Mm. And then she always came back to France, so she will never feel something else as French, no.、Mm. For my parents, obviously, it's a bit different because they still live in Munich,、uh, and they they. They don't plan to move、uh, back to France soon, but I guess they found a nice balance because my former house in France that we actually kept, it's quite close to Munich. So with the car you can go there. It's like a four-hour drive, which is quite fine. It can be a bit quicker, a bit longer, but. The thing is that they come back to this house quite often,、mm-hmm. and now with the COVID,、um, this whole home office situation,、uh, it also changed because now they can stay one week, two weeks without a problem. But even before, they used to go once or even twice a month during the weekend to this house. Uh, in the countryside, where they they had their garden, they grow vegetables and fruits, and my. The rest of my family is there, no. So they always kept this kind of anchor and attachment to、um, to where we come from. Not only France, but also the countryside, which is different from a big city, no. So、mm. it's a completely different environment, and it is is quite funny because when they're too long in France, they miss Munich, and when they're too long in Munich, they miss going to the countryside in France. Mm. Uh, so I don't think that they will ever feel German, but they are really attached to the life they created there, obviously, and they don't know if they're gonna sell the house and move back to France when they retire. It's still an open question. At the beginning, they thought it would be the the natural、uh, choice to to do, but after living for so long there. Um, they have their friends. They have the habits.、Uh, mm. They they like some products at the supermarket better <laughs> than in France or vice versa. Vice versa. It's, yeah, it, it, it's a big part of their culture, even if it's not so rooted in their identity. I、mm. guess. 
Yeah. Um, when I was younger, I thought all these moves, changing countries, was affecting me and my sister in a much more like transformative way than it was affecting my parents. But now that I look at my parents, I realize that all of those experiences really changed them too. And yeah, when I was younger, it was like me, 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 me. But now I realize that yeah, they they probably became you know different people as a result of all of those changes. And exactly. Yeah, it's it's yeah. funny how it takes time for you to grow up to realize that. So. Yeah. Yes, it's actually really interesting um, as you mentioned that actually changes it, it changes them quite profoundly even if you don't notice it as a kid mm. and actually moving from what you you uh, just said I guess that's one of the biggest change my parents made is that now they're not afraid of traveling abroad so much mm-hmm. because before we would go to a neighboring country to Spain to to Italy, to the south of France or something like this, you know, and now they came to visit me in France, they came to the US recently because another part of the complexity of all the culture thing is that my Mexican boyfriend lives in the US, uh-huh. <laughs> which is another layer of uh, different countries and and moves and everything and they they went there and before they would never ever imagine to take a plane for 10 hours and crossing the ocean and going really far away and now they just pass this step and now it's it's sort of natural and they're quite open to this kind of new experience which which is really new actually yeah Mm. Yeah, and maybe in in a way it's thanks to you living so far away that they have to (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay um well let me move on to the set of questions about uh, being a third culture kid um so one question i have here is when did you first hear the term tck and realize you were one so it was really recently i don't know exactly when maybe in may or something like this um it was just reading an article really randomly and it caught my attention because I felt identified by the whole description of what a TCK was. And I just realized that it defined something that I could never ever define uh, for all these years, which felt quite nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I, I just realized that I ticked most of the boxes of what it defined. And this is also how I, I found the, the project in between on Twitter and that we got in touch because I was really curious about learning more and, and getting to know what it meant to be a TCK, why they invented this term and everything. And actually this summer I read a book about that. Oh. Um, because I, I was telling this story to my boyfriend. I was like, no, I'm really interested. And I saw there was this book and then he bought it to me. And I, I can give you the title. I'm really bad remembering books names and movie names and these kind of things. But I, I can give it to you later. But it was called something like uh, Third Culture Kids. Uh, 
something like this. And uh, it, it's a French woman that wrote the book in both French and Spanish Ooh. because she lived in many countries and actually explained at every stage of expatriation, moving abroad, coming back to the home country sometimes, all the consequences uh, and the implications that could have either the positive ones or the negative ones mm -hmm. and then how this could influence uh, an adult you know having this background so it was interesting because it was from the the point of view of the the kids the mm -hmm. third culture kids and then the third culture adults and also the parents of the the third culture kids that don't have the same exper experience but also live Uh, their home place for a new experiences and obviously are also affected by, by these kind of, of changes. No? So this is how I got a bit more into the, the concept and I, I learned a bit more about that, but it's quite recent, actually. Mm. So uh, for you, what was the hardest thing about being a TCK growing up? I think... It It is still hard, to be honest. I think it's the fact that there is not one place that is completely home. And that wherever I am, I always have the kind of feeling that I miss another place, you know. Mm. Um, I'm really happy here, but obviously I, I miss Munich, I miss uh, my family in France. And when I'm in Munich, I miss Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So I'm never fully uh, at home in a place. Obviously, when I'm surrounded by a certain group of people, even if it sounds really cliche, um, I can feel more at home with some people than in some places somehow. Mm -hmm. And and also, I think the fact that, which is related, the fact that my friends are everywhere. <laughs> mm. So... I never had this kind of, of uh, really close group of friends from childhood that know everything about me and that I can go to whenever I want, you know. And sometimes I'm a bit, when I, when I see some friends that have these experiences of living in the same place or almost always in the same place and have this really strong group of friends that feels like family and that are really close and they just can get dinner with them whenever they want mm. um sometimes i get a bit jealous of that because i never had that um in this way obviously i have a really good group of friends in different places and mm. uh, and i am still in touch with them and really i'm really grateful for that to be able to to keep keep touch with them and see them when i travel and everything but it, it's not the same so I guess it it has always been the hardest part mm. well on the flip side I think it's probably related but what's something you love about being a third culture kid um, I think looking back um, I think that it opened my mind to opportunities that would never have come across to me in a, in a different setting I guess that if I would have stayed in France my whole life I would not have studied in London, I would not have met a lot of people that are really important in my in my life today and I don't know if I would have ever lived abroad 
So I guess it, it really shaped uh, who I am and I'm really grateful for all these opportunities because I guess that living abroad also made me more independent so I'm not that afraid of moving to another place and if tomorrow I have to go to another place it would not be a drama, it would be something I would consider really seriously as a new opportunity and I guess that a lot of people that don't have this this opportunity of um, living abroad as a kid are a bit more afraid of this kind of 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 experiences and more more than afraid they not consider them they don't see them mm-hmm. so I guess this is the, the the thing I like the most because it opened my mind and my eyes is to to new things new realities that are really nice, uh, new people, new languages, uh, which is amazing. Mm. And uh, finally, uh, the last question is, where is home for you? Though you did touch upon it a bit uh, previously. Yes, so home, if, I, if, if you were a stranger, <laughs> I would tell you home is in Munich. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, this is where uh, my parents are and I have most of my stuff. Uh, if you were some, someone from work, I would say home is in Mexico City because this is where I work. But the most precise answer and correct answer, as I already mentioned before, I guess, is, is when I'm in with, the, with the people that I, I love the most, um, which is really cliche and cheesy. <laughs> But until now, even if it can change in the future, um, I guess that I never found a better definition. The feeling surrounded with the people I love uh, gives me this this feeling of being home wherever I am, um, which I don't have when I just consider the fact of being in one place because it's not this kind of whole wholeness feeling. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit tricky, but this would be my answer. <laughs> I, I like that you have different um, answers for depending on who's asking the question. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's always been a hard question because depending on of whether I have trust in someone, if it's a complete stranger or if I'm in a good mood or not, you know, it can be a really different answer because it's always, I, I, I don't really like to tell my whole life story like that to someone random because I don't want to have all the attention on that. If, because it's it's just a part of myself, but it can sound like oh, this girl she wants to tell everything about her life and explain to you her identity crisis, <laughs> <laughs> all this kind of stuff, which is not the case. Um, so it, it really depends if if someone can understand this kind of background, uh, if I feel comfortable to elaborate more or not. And but yeah, in a more emotional kind of way, I I would say home. It's it's not a place. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for sharing all of this. I-, I know it's not easy answering some of these questions, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that uh, some of our listeners uh, will relate to your story because, yeah, I think we think of Europe as, a, as this place, as this big melting pot. And I don't know, in my mind anyway, I... 
I think of Europeans just sort of traveling across borders all the time and, you know, speaking all of these languages. Uh, but I'd never really thought about like one specific case, like your case, where you leave your home, which is France, and then grow up in Germany and like what that does to a kid's sense of identity. So yeah, it was really interesting for me to hear your story. And I'm I'm super curious where you're going to go next. This is this is always the 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 question that I have at the very end, which is like where do you see yourself in the next 5 or 10 years? Is it Mexico City for you? Is it back to Europe? So, this is actually an interesting question because it has been more elaborated in the last months, last year, I would say. Um, maybe if you would have asked me this question two years ago, I would have said Mexico and then we will see, I don't know. But mm -hmm. now, actually, I'm in a different situation because my boyfriend moved to the US last year and we actually plan to, to move together maybe in a year or so. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I have to define the details, but th th this would be the plan because, as you know, long distance is not easy. Mm -hmm. um, and after all these years, um, I actually realized also that I don't want to stay forever in Mexico. And I guess that I like it so much because I know that it's temporary, if mm. it makes sense. Um, and now... I never planned to move to the U.S. It was not in my mind, as I told you, one or two years ago. But this sudden change uh, in my personal life made me actually consider it. And um, now it's the, the, the closer plan that I have <laughs> to move to another country. But I would say that also eventually in the future I would like to go back to Europe. Mm -hmm. I could not say a specific country. But there are some things from Europe that I, I miss a lot and that I cannot find in Mexico or I know I, I won't be able to find in the US, like walking in the street without using a car, mm -hmm. <laughs> really basic things like that, um, which, I, which I, I miss a bit. And I would see myself in the future uh, growing old in Europe rather than somewhere else than a specific country I don't really mind even if they have their difference in culture and and everything obviously it's really easy to move across borders as you said in, in Europe it's quite small so I, I don't have a precise idea about that but this would be um, this would be the plan actually <laughs> let's see if it works like that <laughs> and how it goes because it never goes as planned but the idea for now is to move to the U.S. and then in the long term to Europe. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I'm excited <laughs> for your journey. And I feel like, you know, when you move to the U.S., uh, maybe when you tell people you're from Mexico, people will now think you're, like, Mexican. So, yeah, that, that'll be another <laughs> identity shift for you there. Although I think... Um, they'll probably think you're French there as well. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit weird because when I go there, I speak Spanish with my boyfriend because he's Mexican. Right. But I don't look Mexican, so people are really confused. <laughs> and for example, when my parents came, 
I spoke French with my parents. My parents speak German with my boyfriend because he doesn't speak French. Yeah. And they don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and we, so it was sort of a, a really, really weird mix. And people, I guess, were really confused about who we were and what we were doing. So, yeah, I guess they, they know I'm French because of my accent, obviously. But then they hear me speaking Spanish and they, they got a bit confused. So this this gonna be another adventure to explain them. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Well, cheers to that. Let's just continue to confuse people <laughs> throughout our lives. I it's like, like it's like our mission. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Well, yeah. We I think we've reached the end. Uh, just as a final uh, wrap up, like. I wanted to ask you, what was it like to sit through these questions today and, uh, yeah, to talk about your TCK experiences? Well, it was really nice and I'm really glad uh, for the opportunity. Thank you so much, Hannah, <laughs> because I guess that I never talk so freely about these kind of topics that's obviously there somewhere in my head and in my thinking and in my ideas. Uh, but this is not the kind of conversation you have with anyone. Mm -hmm. And I guess that knowing that you're TCK, that this podcast also is listened to by a lot of TCK, made me feel a lot more comfortable to share these kind of stories because I know that a lot of people uh, went through the same thing and maybe have some common thinking, feeling, I don't know. So I guess it, it was really nice feeling of feeling understood in a way and knowing that somewhere someone is going to listen to something here that uh, they can relate to in the future, which, which is really nice. And I'm a bit sorry for my English because I forgot a lot. I don't practice that much. But yeah, when I go back to the US and if we talk again, I, I hope it's going to be better this time. What are you <laughs> talking about? Your English is perfect. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as you understand, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story uh, to our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, yes, we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Anna. <laughs>